a beautiful day at Bodie Farms out here near Bozeman, Montana. Gary and I are volunteering and we thought that this would be a great place to start our transition episode. We're transitioning from how it looks from here, life in the time of COVID, to how it looks from here, life in the time of climate change. We'll be spending this episode considering how full ecology helps us in these times of climate change and what COVID-19 and climate change have to do with each other. But for now, we're getting weeds out from between summer squash plants. It's glorious. You're good at this. You're gonna get it all done and I want to record it. <laughs> yeah. You've tuned in to How It Looks From Here. And to a unique episode of Transition, we are expanding our attention, shifting from how life looks in the time of COVID to listening for how life looks in times of climate change. As we've said all along, life looks different to you than it does to me. The way race and gender, education and work and everyday circumstances combine in any person's experience, well, it's different. For every person, how it looks matters. And with every interview, we're enriched. It's truly helping. We trust it's helpful for you, too. Hi, I'm Mary Claire. The How It Looks From Here podcast had its birth in lockdown. Starting quite suddenly, in March 2020, we found ourselves in isolation, keeping necessary distance from each other. COVID-19 was coming on strong. Lockdown and isolation saw emergence of the term essential workers. Some of us were. Most of us weren't. Each of us was moving through COVID differently. How we coped was both informed and limited by each of our particular circumstances. That meant that how it looks from here set forth originally to acknowledge the fact that listening to and learning from the way the world looks to different people could give each of us more ways of coping and creating through COVID-19. Here and now, we're seeing how important sharing our worldviews continues to be, living into the changes that are underway in our climate and with its ecologies. As it turns out, for each of the people that we talked with in the first nine episodes of How It Looks From Here, the environment came into the conversation. For sure, we're seeing an uptick in the, the number of acres burn, the, the, the fire season length is extending, the, um, the intensity of the fire is increasing, and these are all related to you know, climate change. EMT professional, wildland firefighter, and wolf biologist John Trapp compared COVID-19's progression to that of climate change, taking hold by increments and being resolved the same incremental way. Think about climate change and how it's not uniform across everywhere, right? You have these micro climates where temperatures in some areas might be actually cooling and, and, and some areas where they're getting much warmer. 
people would say, it's not getting warmer here. <laughs> I think it's so that you have these different pockets across as we're going to see that as, as different areas do better at getting their vaccines and, and practicing the, the distancing. Michelle Browder, artist and influencer in Montgomery, Alabama, described how the establishment of more than a horse farm helped families and individuals find solace and reassurance during COVID-19 and the painful and ongoing upheavals in police brutality and social injustice. So in the midst of COVID, <laughs> we decided to have a summer camp and in the where the horse farm is, there's a lot of trees there and you can hear the birds all day. And so we created a, a bird sanctuary so that if you just needed to come sit out and be still, you could sit out with your binoculars and watch these birds. And who, black kids especially didn't talk about bird watching until Karen met them in the sanctuary there. And so now it's become a phenomenon. And so it was just really cool. And it, the kids just so thoroughly enjoyed it. So all of those birds, there's now a tree with those painted birds on them. And um, so the birds, it signifies freedom and life in nature. But yeah, it's just a form of therapy. And really particular to where we are with climate change, too, Carmen Yoop, Shoshone Bannock tribal member and yoga instructor, said this. So, like, imagine, you know, a, a bottle of apple cider vinegar when you first get it, and you have all of that layer on the bottom that's just kind of sitting there, and as soon as you start moving it around, it, it plumes up, and that's kind of what is going on with me right now is, is all of this deeply embedded trauma is starting to come up and, and I'm processing it now and trying to figure it out so, you know, I can go on in, in a good way and not let this trauma responses hold me back from expressing, you know, my true self, my true form. So we're here today to talk about the way our experience with COVID informs our ongoing transit into and through climate change. As with the pandemic, our responses to and understanding of climate change are also mediated by how the world looks to each of us, by how it looks from here. Listening to the stories of what other people see and do provides each of us with uncommonly rich resources for building our best responses. Because the fact is, when it comes to addressing climate change, we're never doing it alone. And always, as with anything we do, we're in full relationship with the natural world itself. There's no getting around the fact that we are nature. To get us started or further into this discussion about the transition, I'm talking today with one of my favorite people on the planet, if not my favorite, one of my favorite for sure, my husband, Gary Ferguson. Hi, Gary. Hi, Mary. Gosh, that's so funny. You're one of my favorite people, too. Isn't it good oh, the way good. that works out? That's good. I think that's handy. It's got to be good. Yeah. Yeah, and Gary's here because this is, this podcast um, is a project of Full Ecology, which is our work together, also of the System Zoo, which is Joe LaVisca's organization. Um, but so we're here to talk a little bit about or put in context what's happening on this podcast, uh, we're going to place it in the context of full ecology. So, Gary, um, 
among many, many other things, is a science and nature writer. He's got 27 books and um, has spent a lot of time walking out in wild nature and writing about it and bringing science to bear. Is that fair? I think that's fair. 27 books, though. That makes me sound old. Yeah. Oh, wait, I am. <laughs> Not quite yet. Not yet. You're, I'm working on it. Yeah. You're um, aging well. Well. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. to you. Thank you. Thank you. And so I don't know that we've ever stopped to say really what full ecology is, and in particular, how is it relevant to our recent experience in COVID-19? Well, with your background as a social scientist and my background as a conservation science writer, uh, early on we realized that our, our notion that humans have one set of qualities and circumstances they're dealing with and one set of uh, abilities that evolution has given us and nature is out there with its own uh, set of qualities and challenges really is not true. We, we are uh, one and the same. And one of our goals, as we've said many times, is to break down the wall between the human psyche and the natural world. And when you do that, when you start to interact with the natural world, when you start to interact with each other in social ecology, you begin to see or you begin to pay attention, I think, to the potential connections and the and also perhaps the potential consequences of our actions. We know that when social ecologies break down, we can get oppression uh, and racism and uh, prejudice of all kinds, wars of all kinds. Uh, and when we disconnect, as we have been for about 500 years from the natural world, from really seeing it and acting as if our actions are connected, which in truth they are, then we can end up really running kind of a dangerous course. And as far as COVID's concerned, it's worth considering that right now there's still some question about whether uh, it was a wild bat that uh, actually introduced the novel COVID virus to the world. Um, quite likely it was, or perhaps another animal. But one of the things that's going on is we are eating up habitat by virtue of our economic desire to make money cutting down forests and turn those lands into grazing areas. And by cutting down all of those forests, we're pushing a lot of species, including the bats thought to be responsible for, for COVID, uh, into increased interaction with, with human beings. Um, we're, we're shrinking their habitat and therefore encountering them and the viruses that they've evolved with quite happily, by the way, for thousands of years, but we have not. The other thing that, that uh, occurs to me that's going on commonly is those crews that are cutting those forests tend to uh, punch roads into the, the heart of them and uh, do a lot of bushmeat hunting, if you will, and that can include a, a, a wide variety of mammals. And so animals that have not come into contact again with humans in the past are coming into contact with them, not just because they're in the same area, but because we're actually consuming them. So we need to start to think holistically, and I think full ecology offers us a chance to at least begin to craft that sort of perception. This is Mary Claire and how it looks from here. Stay with us. We'll be back after this brief break. Yeah, we are in this moment where we really never have been unable to think from our connection with all things. But our culture, 
especially dominant culture in the United States and across Europe, um, has been one of acting as if we humans are separate and not just separate, but superior. And so as you referred to earlier, um, one of the differences is in what we're asking people to consider is to really closely consider our social ecologies, the ecologies between us and within us. Because if we really, and we do, most of us do, most of you listening do, want to be part of the solution to this mess of climate change that we have on our doorstep already in the front hall, really, we must be dealing with the ecologies within us and between us. So in addition to this possibility, which is the most likely one, that this is a virus that was unleashed from human clumsiness mm -hmm. and thoughtlessness around the edges of wilderness, the other possibility is that it was a mistake that was made in a lab, and it was released that way. Mm -hmm. Well, how it was captured in the first place and all of that, all of this ties in to if we are not able to be clean and, and supportive of healthy ecologies between us, between governments, between people in a marriage, you name it, people in a community, people in a family, parents and children, we need to be clean as we can be, devoted to the health of those ecologies. And that calls us into being devoted to the health of our internal ecologies. And that's a big call. But it is clearer and clearer that all of those things are interdependent. We talk often about um, the human uh, superpowers that nature has laid into us, just like nature has laid into uh, every life form on the planet. And one of the great superpowers uh, we have, and many other mammals as well, uh, is cooperation. And, and we've been able to see in the wake of COVID unleashing uh, on the world the power of cooperation to actually meet the occasion, whether it's by uh, engineering as quickly as possible, but really lightning speed, the vaccines that are now being administered around the world, whether it was masking uh, and keeping social distance for the sake of everyone concerned, for the sake of community. Those are really expressions of uh, who we are at our best. And so, as you know, with the podcast, we're in this transition from focusing on life in the time of COVID-19 to life in the time of climate change. What do you see as that transition? What does COVID have to teach us going forward as we must into this time of climate change? Well, I'll go back to um, it really, climate change does call on us once again to exercise our phenomenal cooperative, not only cooperative action, but our cooperative intelligence, our ability to think together. We're always able to see things when we come together and ideally coming together with the most diverse group of people possible gives us a leg up on creativity, a leg up on figuring things out outside the box from what we could do on our own or even with people who just look and sound and think like us. So climate change is going to take up a, a very, very long, consistent, um, steadfast effort over many decades to not eliminate 
the consequences. It's too late for that, but to certainly minimize uh, the consequences and to help those who are on the margins and least uh, perhaps uh, able in the world to, to not be just completely devastated by this. This is a, a very big deal. There's going to be many changes that we're going to have to step up to in the years to come, and we can only do this together. Well, so is part of what happened during COVID-19 that we became so aware of how much we appreciate having contact with other people, but there was also a rebalancing for many people that they didn't need to go as fast and perform and produce as much. It seems to me, and we've talked about this ourselves, there are skills that we gained from being in the pandemic that can help us going forward. Have you seen any of those that that you would share here? Well, I think the, the fact that uh, COVID did force us into a, a quieter and somewhat more isolated existence, a more reflective uh, existence in some ways, allowed us to perhaps sort out what's important, what's valuable, uh, what we care about most, what we appreciate about our existing lives. Those sorts of thoughts sometimes get buried under the the traffic of of media and news and obligations and and general busyness. But I think with the slowing down that COVID provided, we do have a stronger sense of what matters to us. And we're going into climate change, I think, or further into climate change with those sensibilities uh, freshly tended. Um, it is, to me personally, suddenly quite lovely to be in a in a community, to be in a place where I know other people are coming together for for art or for education or festivals and whatnot. Introvert that I may be at times, um, I realize now, maybe in ways that I didn't before, um, the real potential for mental health and well-being and optimism and just the kinship, the sense of sharing that now can come to us uh, with with new levels of appreciation as, as uh, we put COVID behind us and move into the, the challenge of climate change. Yeah, and so here we are with uh, higher value on perhaps what is most precious, and that is our connection with each other and with the natural world. Yeah, and it is, as we've, we've written in the Full Ecology book, um, it is that kinship that informs how we are and how we're going to be going forward. And we can't say, we hope that the species will survive by reverting more powerfully, um, more, with more dedication to our cooperative nature. And I think no matter what the fate of the species is or what's ahead, day-to-day, life will be more meaningful, life will be more fulfilling, life will perhaps be more joyous uh, if we do tend those relationships, both, again, as you suggest, between us, uh, inside of us, and then also with the the natural world around us, to to which we are so firmly and deeply uh, and unequivocally connected. Well, and it's really from that orientation that the possibility of humans making it arises. Indeed. If, if, it will, if we are to make it at all, it will be by standing uh, on that particular platform. Together. Together. Yeah. Well, so talk to me about, there we were on the farm this morning. 
How does that figure into all of this? Oh, that was so fun. We were uh, hoeing weeds uh, on an organic farm uh, southwest of Bozeman, Bodie Farms. And uh, there's really, again, uh, in that action, just as there is when you walk down a trail or sit on a park bench under a tree, there is this obvious sense of tending, this obvious sense of being connected to the life force that gives um, rise to the squash we were trying to help out by getting the weeds off from them. But that particular system that's feeding the squash is also, of course, essential to, to us as well. So I think every time we go out into the natural world, uh, whether it's for work or for play, there's this opportunity to sort of stand off to the side of the stage, see the l remarkable complexity, whether we understand it or not, and beauty that exists around us with these relationships, with these life forces flowing r reliably year after year, season after season. And so it's, uh, it's amazing. I never thought I would say weeding would be uh, <laughs> a, a lovely meditative experience, but that's what it was. And a step towards the repair of climate breakdown. Yes, yes, In right. its own way. That's right. Yeah. And, of course, we were weeding because this is an organic farm. Right. We were using fairly primitive implements to right. do that and, and our hands as well because the choice was made to not use herbicides yeah. and uh, spray the land. And that's a, a very significant respect of the relationships that are ongoing in that soil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. So with this transition episode, How It Looks From Here continues sharing the stories of people's lives, the challenges and successes, the fears and innovations, the deep wisdom as each of us, as all of us, live and act to repair climate breakdown. We're in it for the long haul. Thank you for joining us on How It Looks From Here as we move farther into life in this phenomenon we know as climate change. Keep listening. Be in touch. If you like what you're hearing on How It Looks From Here, make sure to subscribe. And let's get these perspectives out there. Tell your friends and family. Share a link right now with someone you know would enjoy learning how it looks from another point of view. You can find us on Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. How It Looks From Here is an educational collaboration between Full Ecology and the System Zoo. How It Looks From Here was created and produced by me, Mary Claire, and Joe LaVisca. Editing by Joe and Doug LaVisca. Music by Cedar Mathers-Wen and Gary Ferguson. You can find us on social media and at fullecology.com. Support for How It Looks From Here comes from our listeners, like you.